DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. On a scale of 1 to 10, people, ask yourself this, especially you fans. How excited are you to see Britton Covey zigging and zagging on some broken field run through a secondary or, or a punt return unit? 47. On a scale of 1 to 10, 47. There's some Arizona State yes. math people. Soak it up. <laughs> Hey, I didn't go to ASU to play math. <laughs> nice. You're not an Ohio State quarterback either. But that was a good line. That was a quality line. I'm not here to play math. All right, DJ and PK, it's time to hear from Britton Covey, who, according to everyone who's seen him, and the media has not been allowed to see him, looks remarkably different. Looks a lot more like 2018 Britton Covey. In 2019, we had just heard this from Kyle Whittingham. He was back, but he wasn't himself yet. Now, before we go, he's back, yes. Go, before we go, uh, he spent some time basically interning with Yogi Roth. Oh, yeah? yeah? Nice. A career after football talking about football. I like it. Smart kid. Yep. All right, DJ and PK. Yeah, the name, image, and likeness is coming a little coming along a little too late for him. He would have done quite quite well with that. Although, as he pointed out, he's got a chance to be like a twenty seven year old eighth year junior. Uh, everything <laughs> everything breaking his way. He dropped that line. That was hilarious. Uh, and and because he did go on a mission for two years, and because he did take a redshirt year, and because this year isn't going to count against his eligibility. Well, you see what he's getting at. All right. Here's Britton Covey with the media on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. I know you've gone through a lot of different game weeks, especially opening game weeks throughout your your career. How does this year feel different? I mean, I know that that a lot has been different, but does it feel different? Yes, it it definitely feels different. Um, When you only have six games in a season, the – the mentality of every game, you know, that is counts really is magnified. Uh, I've, I've never felt like this going into a season. It's especially interesting having watched college football for, you know, a month and a half already. Um, it, it's made us, you know, anxious on the edge of our seat. And I think most people are just, <laughs> just ready to do it. We're, we're, we're kind of sick of this. This waiting, this waiting game. Next up is Josh Furlong, followed by Jeff Call with the Deseret News. Brent, we obviously don't get to see the, the uh, practices that you guys have. And we've only heard uh, things about how the defense is coming along, new freshmen, different guys like that. From your assessment, obviously being on scout team last year and having starting minutes in previous years, I mean, where, where would you assess this defense, especially as you, you come into a game week? Yeah. Well, I mean – the the biggest thing is the jump from high school to college. Uh, the speed of the game is so different. And on defense, um, a little mistake turns into a big mistake a lot faster. And so I think that our defense is so young and they've had to learn these, these types of things because what happens in practice, and this is why all the reports have said that, you know, the offense is ahead of the defense. More than anything, it's just the offense has been able to take advantage of – the the mistakes of youth basically and so it's been good to get a lot of those out of their system i think because when it comes to talent and ability they're right up there with with most teams i've been a part of uh it's just the speed of the game that they've been um 
growing into, I guess, that different personnel changes, different shifts, or when, for example, when an offense, when tight ends shift over, how fast you can call that out, things like that. That's what I think they've picked up on, and it's been nice to have this extra little month and a half. Next question will come from Jeff Paul. Hey, Bryn, uh, could you describe the process, what it's been like for you personally, getting healthy and just preparing for this just incredibly unusual season that's coming up here? Yeah. Oh, it's been, like you said, it's been a process. Um, I don't think I felt very excited for football like this in a year and a half. I mean, last year going into the season was uh, such a mental battle because I wasn't even thinking of football as much as I was thinking about my knee or my health. And it was frustrating because I couldn't get into it. Uh, I would line up on a play thinking about my knee rather than thinking about the actual play. So that was really frustrating for me. So I just feel like I'm back to how I've always been as a competitor. And it's great to, you know, be able to get into it with guys and uh, to feel that competitive uh, nature come out again. And so I'm just more excited than I've ever been for a season. And it's, you know, it's helped me realize just how not how many people get to play the game they love at this age, you know, and I just feel really lucky right now. I'm really excited. Next question will go to Josh Furlong, followed by Ryan Costeca with SI.com. Brittany, you obviously yeah, you are used to getting three non-conference games before you really get into conference slate. You know, what, what's the difference this year as you approach just jumping right in and knowing that the games count immediately? I, I mean, I know overall schedules count, but when it comes to conference play and doing what you guys want, how, how does that change your mentality? Well, it – it lowers the room for the margin for error. You, you, you have no room to grow right from the beginning to kind of grow into things. You've got to start from game one. Uh, and especially starting with a team like Arizona, who is very good team. Uh, even coach Ludd said it, we're, it's going to be a on the fly scouting report because uh, we haven't had any of these. It's not as much that we haven't had the first three games. It's Arizona also hasn't had these first three games. So we don't have film on them from this year. And we don't understand the defensive coordinator that's coming from Arkansas. We don't understand exactly what he's going to do with the team. And so I think even more than us not having these three games, it's our opponent not having these first three games. And and you can't watch that film. So it, the, it's going to be a live scouting report the first two quarters of the game. Uh, you're going to have to make adjustments on the fly and basically get to know the player personnel um, from the first two quarters of the game, I would say. That, that I, th I think that's a big difference. Next question is Ryan Costeca. Hey, bud. How you doing? Hey, good. Thanks. So with whoever the starting quarterback is, are you happy with their progression you've had, you know, over fall camp and the chemistry they've been able to develop with you and the receivers and the tight ends and everyone? Yes, I actually am starting at quarterback this year. So no, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm really happy with it. I think the biggest testament of, of the quarterback room is just the fact that all three guys competing for the job were voted to leadership council. And obviously Jake was voted as captain. So that should tell you everything you need to know about the quarterback room right now. And I think that, I mean, this is my first time that I've, uh, been in an offense 
for my second year with an offensive coordinator. And I just see the difference that it makes in the quarterbacks, um, confidence levels to have, to come into a system that, uh, has been in place already for a year. And so the vast majority of the offense already has a grasp on it. And it's not that learning curve. It makes it a lot easier for all three of these quarterbacks to, uh, basically mold into the player that they want to become. And, uh, we're really excited. And, and like I said, the biggest testimony of these quarterbacks is the fact that all three of them were voted to leadership council. That's how much we respect them and we trust them. There is one of the more popular leads you're ever going to hear from Britton Covey talking about the quarterback room, all three guys on the leadership council. That tells you what guys think about them. Is it possible that the Utes are going into with quarterback depth that they have not had in their time in the Pac-12 PK? Now, it's a shorter season, so you would think depth means less, but still, injuries come in bunches. You never know when, and there's always the threat. There's a couple positive COVID tests. So should Ute fans listen to those words from Britton Covey and feel a certain amount of confidence? Oh, sure, yeah. But, I mean, also at the same time, uh, Bentley's played. Rising hasn't. Uh, you know, they had Tyler Huntley and Troy Williams. When you have Troy Williams as your backup and he won nine games, uh, on paper anyway, you don't have a better backup. Now, it remains to be seen how this plays out. I mean, if, if Bentley's the backup, he's got a lot of experience, which is good, but Rising doesn't have the experience, so what does that mean? Uh, and uh, Jason Shelley came in and played well. Uh, when he played, so and it's good to have depth. Obviously, you're probably going to need it at some point. Seven games, I guess. So there's percentage-wise, there's fewer chances for you to get injured. But nevertheless, you know, one hit and and you're gone there. Or COVID, you need you need, need the hit, as we've seen there with uh, Clemson. Yeah, it has nothing to do with a literal injury that you got out on the football field. And who knows how that's going to play out? Any of that stuff is possible. Uh, yeah, I think the important thing is that. They have a steady hand, whoever it might be, whenever it is, uh, at quarterback. And that player is not making a bunch of dumb mistakes because they, Utah did release his depth chart. And I went through and looked. And they've got 14 of the 22 starters listed are either juniors or seniors. So this idea of such a young team, I think, is a misnomer. Seven of the guys on defense are either juniors or seniors. It comes down to the secondary. And they do have Vontae Davis has experience. Clark Phillips is supposed to be the reincarnation of Jalen Johnson. Yep. So <laughs> if that's the case, but he doesn't you don't have need a whole lot of experience there. Yeah. Guard your guy. What experience do you need on that? Guard your guy. You're playing cornerback. You know where you are, Dave? You're out on that island. Oh, I'd like to go to a warm island right now. <laughs> You'd be social distancing automatically. I wouldn't have to hear any of that. And you know what? My island's got some nice waves. You might go Caribbean with no waves, but me, I need about three feet of surf. Uh, I want to hear the waves. Island. I want to hear the waves crash. I mean, if you're an island in Alaska, that no one wants that this time of year. You're right. I did automatically. Or I was Caribbean. Yeah, know, it's, a, it's another story. So we'll see if Clark Phillips lives up to his incredibly high expectations i have i have a feeling that he's going to because he decommitted from ohio state that's all i need to know we go on that that's the byu game you know where did he decommit from somehow that must mean you're really good yep Uh, if you decommitted from some other place (laughs) uh, remains to be seen but they've got a fair amount of experience plus 
they got a, their schedule is not exactly a, a slew of murderers row either. I know they like to go after BYU, but uh, they literally could only play maybe one ranked team, maybe none, depending on what happens. Well, my guess is USC, either ASU or SC yeah. will be ranked. And then if you get through those because your schedule is so soft and you're in the title game, then I would assume your opponent would be ranked. Well, yeah, but we don't know that they're going to get there right. yet. I'm talking about right now, what their schedule is right now. US- they very well could not play a ranked team, and that could be all seven games they don't play a ranked team. USC and ASU are the only two teams you would think with any shot at being ranked. The other three, no way. Oregon State's the crossover game. Right. So. Yeah, and so my guess is whoever wins this game Saturday between SC and ASU will be ranked. And it should be USC. I believe they're like a 14-point favorite, and that's a decent line right there. Uh, we don't know that they'll be ranked. They still got a couple of weeks. They, SC actually plays Utah at Rice Eccles literally on Kyle's 61st birthday. Well, what so, do you get the guy who has everything? Yeah, that'll be interesting. Now, I just saw on Twitter that the Sun Devils, uh, Herm Edwards, has been doing some media this morning, and so has Clay Hilton for that matter. Their pre-game meal, because the game starts at 9 o'clock L.A. time, their pre-game meal is at 4 45 a.m. Oh, getting up for a first flight out. I'm having nightmares. Alarms going off at 3.45 in the morning. What are you going to feel like eating at 4.45 a.m.? Scrambled eggs. I, the thought of eating at 4.45 a.m.? Yeah, I can't. Like, oh. I'm, and you know me. I'm the king. I, I have portion control issues, people. And, <laughs> and, and even I'm thinking, like, pancakes and, you know, I don't know, uh, eggs and pancakes or eggs and French toast. I'm like, no, I don't want anything that heavy. And I don't want any syrup on it. Right. I'm not, I'm not ready. 4.45 a.m.? I can do the scrambled eggs, maybe a little bit of fresh fruit and some OJ. I'm done. I am done. And then I, I want to get on a plane and fall asleep. Oh wait, they got to play they college football. To do this, <laughs> and I get that the Pac-12 is trying to get exposure, but why not have SC at Utah? Right, because they haven't thought the time zones all the way through. The same way they didn't think scheduling on Thanksgiving weekend all the way through, because PK, it's not that well run. There, I said it. <laughs> oh, why couldn't you just flip flop the games? Now, ASU is supposed to go to L.A. this year because the Trojans came to. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tempe last year because now that we changed the clocks a couple of days ago, uh, the Arizona schools are now on Mountain Standard Time, so it's literally the same time. So a nine o'clock start or noon start for the East is what they're looking for. Well, that would be ten uh, in the desert. But since the Devils had to play at SC this year, why didn't they just put SC here at ten o'clock and make and Kyle is and and Mark Harlan? They've both spoken that they want it. And so you give them an extra hour. 4.45 pregame meal? What the crap is that? 5.45 pregame meal. That's way better. It's not way better, but it's better. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Because they didn't think it all the way through. I don't know. I mean, I'm up at 5.45 in the morning every day. But you don't want a big meal. Oh, no. I'm usually hustling to get where I'm trying to go. And uh, as far as food... I don't think about food until minimally seven o'clock. I have not. 
I have not surveyed every school, but there are plenty of schools that have guys in some kind of conditioning and weight room stuff at 6 a.m. That's become pretty course, normal. Yeah. And in places where it's really hot, and you can speak to this, ASU goes to morning practices. I don't know what time. You probably know what time. It's certainly before 9 a.m. So it's not completely foreign to these guys being up early, but this is still on the extreme side of their early schedules. If you're eating at 4.45, are you up at 4.15, 4.30? I mean, how early are you getting up before you start eating? Oh, yeah, for me, that's what I said. I I don't eat before I go to work. And with us doing the morning show, when I'm going in the studio, I'm just taking a couple of crunch bars, basically, and then uh, catch a breakfast because I'm trying to squeeze in as much sleep as I possibly can. But uh, and they're, I guess that you know the, we can throw out there that they're young and all that. And I get they're trying to get exposure. And Larry Scott says you got to try things. And so I'm okay with them trying it. Uh, but I think that uh, they should just put SC and Utah. If you want the two marquee names in the South – uh, right now, or two marquee programs, I guess Herm Edwards has the marquee name, and everybody loves him because he's so accommodating. But it seemed like it was an easy reason to just schedule the game in Salt Lake because you got two very good programs going at each other. I think UCLA Arizona State would have been marketable. You got the LA market. You got Chip Kelly. Is this guy going to get it together or not? Or is he going to flame out and get fired? And you still got Herm, who is a national story, and their team should be pretty good. I get that USC ASU is a little sexier, but I would have been up for UCLA ASU because the, the big story is hey, the, the Pac 12 is back. But it's USC, and that's the way it is, and they're playing in LA, so 4.45 breakfast. They're eating, we'll be sleeping. <laughs> Uh, I'll I'll be awake for kickoff. <laughs> I'll, I'll see you at ten. Oh, ten o'clock. Yeah, ten o'clock our time for sure. I'll be awake for kickoff. No question. I've never slept till ten o'clock in my life. All right, DJ and PK. It's ninety-seven five and twelve eighty. The Zone. Utah State coach Gary Anderson coming up next. Sandwiched after a uh, the the San Diego State running game just thrashed them, and now they got to play Nevada on a Thursday. Practicing on, or traveling on a Wednesday. No practice on a Tuesday because of the NCAA and election day. Uh, Gary should be in a great mood. We'll talk with him next. Stay with us. All right, here is Gary, so we can just hit it up with him right now. Gary Anderson, Aggie coach, join us. And Yak says he's gone and he's here, and now we're good. Yak is giving me the thumbs up. Hi, Gary. (laughs) How are we we doing, guys? Well, apparently we just dropped the snap from center and our quarterback dove on it. So we got second and 11 here in the zone studios. Got it. So, Gary, uh, that was a frustrating night. Uh, you, um, you're a defensive guy, and you you played in the line, and you just when your team gives up 407 yards rushing, it's just got to make your head explode. Yeah, it's tough. Um, there's no doubt about it. But uh, you know, it, it is what it is, and we are where we are, and uh, we got to continue to fight and battle. And a ton of credit goes. That was as physical as offensive line that I've been around for a long time. Um, they did a tremendous job. The, they got at least three to four really good backs, um, a big giant tight end that's a physical kid that's a, you know. So we uh, give the credit to them, and we have to understand where we are and why we are where we are and uh, not let any of those be excuses, but be opportunities to, you know, get better. Um 
and that's exactly where we sit. And you know, it's uh, you look to where we were a year ago and how we played with those guys, and it, it doesn't really matter. It's a bunch of new faces. It's this. It's a bunch of that. That all doesn't matter. We have to be able to get better. We have to compete, and it was extremely frustrating. It still is, uh, but the challenge is, is when you're a coach in these scenarios, um, in tough times, you got to be the best coach that you've probably ever been, um, and that's to. Be hard on them, yes, to correct the mistakes, but then work really hard to try to put the kids in a position that's something that they can do physically and that they can hang in there and get done. Um, and that was very, very difficult, uh, quite frankly, our first two games, to be able to hang in with people physically. And um, that's hard to swallow for everybody. No one wants to hear it. Kids don't want to hear it. Coaches don't want to hear it. You guys don't want to hear it. Um, but, you know, it, it, it is what it is, and we have to look at it and address it to put us in the best spot we can be to compete. So when a team doesn't have a huge margin of error, little things that go wrong can really make a difference, and two things stuck out at me. Your first drive, the very opening possession of the game, you're moving the ball, and then I think it was a third down, and you get a drop pass that would have given you a first down, and then you got a punt, whereas maybe you get some momentum there, and I'm not saying it changes the course of the game, but maybe it could change the complexion of the game, but nevertheless, you drop it. And then first possession of the second half, where you got them at, second and 26 and they get a first down these things really are adding up and are killing your ball club i would assume you would think those those plays are you're you're you hit it right on the head um if you'd ask me what two critical moments were in in the football game and there's obviously more very big plays and situations and opportunities but i would have pointed those two exact plays out um it was it was a big drop um you know, Brock, a young freshman, had a, had a couple of those. Hopefully, he can learn from that and be able to make those plays. Uh, and I, I think that you know, San Diego State's experienced defense handled it well. And you know, sometimes you can guys will get in your head. And we talk about this all the time as a football team, and I communicate with the kids that experienced football players at this level are going to get into your head both physically and mentally. And uh, I believe that happened a little bit in that situation, that scenario from there. And one drop, well, all of a sudden we got another one, and that wasn't good. And then the, you know, the big play, um, we got in a position where they're going to be kicking into the wind. We took the wind in the third quarter. Um, we just get them stopped back there and hold them, and it's going to be we'll get the ball in the, maybe the 50 at the worst. And uh, that didn't happen. And that, that was uh, very, very, very difficult. They went all the way down the field and scored. So 100% agree. Those are, are two situations. And, again, we can. it's really easy to sit and say, well, the kids got to make the play and we got to do this. Well, we gotta, we got to coach them better. And we got to help them get where they need to be. So the pressure's you know, on all of us, and our job is to help kids get better. And that's where we have to be, and we are where we are for a reason. And you win football games when you deserve them. It's not the first time in my life I've been in this spot, and so it's my job to make sure I, I help the kids as we get through the, the next six games. Well, you talk about you got to coach them better. This is a weird week. you got a Thursday game. You're going to travel Wednesday because it's a road game. And then Tuesday, the NCAA has mandated a day off because of Election Day. Now we're in a state where most people vote by mail, so I could argue the NCAA is about 25 years too late on this. But let's just slide past that and go to your issues, which is you only got Sunday and Monday, really, to coach them up. How, how do you handle this week and maximize that? Well, we, we practiced last night, so we brought the kids back in. Coaches were in here bright and early on Sunday morning. Uh, we practiced and uh, watched the film of San Diego State. 
and uh, also the uh, intro to Nevada yesterday, and then went out and practiced. And this to be a normal Monday for us. Kids will come in here and practice this afternoon, uh, which is you know a, a Tuesday, a Wednesday practice actually. So, uh, but the time will be the same today. Tomorrow we actually can practice until ten o'clock, and that's when they shut us down. It's ten a.m. tomorrow, so um, we can be here in the morning and get a practice in, and uh, away we go. So that's what you got. Do you know if Warren's going to play yet, or do you want to say? Who's that? Jalen? Yeah. Jalen Warren? Yeah, I believe Jalen will play. Yeah. And I believe Carson Terrell has the opportunity to be back, too. So that will be uh, that will be good. And it was, you know, Jalen was a game-time decision. He just couldn't. You know, he, he, no one wants to play more than that kid. No one competes harder than that kid. But he just could not get it done. And that's, uh, he admittedly knows it was the best thing to not play. And I think the trainers and everybody involved made the right decision. And so hopefully we can get him back. Could he play today? No. But I think he'll play by the time we get to, uh, to Thursday. And hopefully Carson will be there with us for the first time this year. So looking ahead to the Wolfpack, I can argue you've played the two best teams in the league so far, but I think I can argue Friday morning there'll be a decent chance you will. By then you will have played the three best teams in the league. And I know it's a team game, but also when you have one matchup, you can really beat it into the ground. And Romeo Dubs had six catches for 211 yards for Nevada as they beat UNLV 37-19. And I was watching that game, and they threw him a long pass, hit him over the top, and he got down to the one, and they punched it in. And then they got the ball back, and like three minutes later, they're like, screw it, we're throwing the ball to him over the top. Don't outthink the room here. And they get a 65-yard touchdown. Now, he also had the game-winning touchdown catch in overtime against Wyoming. So I know it's a team game, but is he priority one, two, and three? Well, I'd say the receivers are priority one, two, and three, and there's three of those guys at least that are really good players. Um, and a quarterback that, uh, gosh, he's he's just really grown up. Um, he is a, a really talented player, um, gets the ball out of his hands, plays within the system, a good leader. But the, the receiving core has, has been fantastic. But that all starts with the quarterback getting the ball out to him and um, giving him a chance to be able to make plays. And so it's a uh, you know it's run and shoot. They're going to get the ball out the field, and it's going to be really no different. You know you're going to beat these guys. You got to score. You got to score some points, and you got to be able to make sure it's a dynamic offense to say the least. Um, and uh, it'll be a challenge. But uh, those those receivers, I would put them all as a whole, very very talented. Um, great job of getting those kids into the spot that they are today. And they're you know the, there's a senior, a junior, and a sophomore, and they're all um, playing at a high level. Big tall kids. You talk about the quarterback, Carson Strong. He has thrown 230 consecutive passes without an interception. I don't know that you're going to break it, but, I mean, can you find a way to get them rattled a little bit, at least to maybe hurry up? Yeah, well, the thing about the the, the run-and-shoot offense as a whole, and they'll do more than the run-and-shoot. They'll jump into some two-back stuff and, you know, move it around and do some things. But the, 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 the whole main offenses as a whole where they start is definitely within the run of shoot and that's where they live in so you've got to be able to push the quarterback a year ago you know I thought we did a really good job in this game of being able to get the quarterback off his spot it was a different quarterback uh, this kid is again the way he spins it and gets out of his hand is highly impressive especially the way he throws the deep ball but you have to be able to do different things in, in the back end. I think if you just show one coverage, if you just show one scenario, one situation to them every single time and just play, you know, we're going to be a man cover team where well, you better be very, very gifted. 
um, at the corner position because they're very gifted at the wide receiver position. And, you know, so on as you go down the lines. And there's a matchup problem with number 19. I don't apologize. I should know his name. I don't know it right off the top of my head, but uh, he's, he's a tremendous player. Um, so, you know, you, you got to go out and take your spots, but it all starts with disrupting the quarterback a little bit. Cole Turner is number 19's name. He is 6'6", 235, 40 pounds, and, and runs uh, like the wind. So he's, he's a special kid. So there's all the X's and O's in the football and the matchup, and then there's also kind of the psychological element. What do you do to pump your kids up? Because they have not gotten a lot of positive reinforcement in eight quarters of football so far, and, and that can be an issue aside from the X's and O's. Yeah, I think the bottom line is, is I believe we're in the situations is that you're honest um, with with the young men, and we are honest with them from a coaching staff standpoint. Um, you know, I'm not in every position meeting, but I know exactly the message that I'm sending out. And what I've told the staff to be able to send out in these spots is, you know, it's it's not it's not where we want it to be. It's not good enough. Um, but we can't use where we're at as a crutch. And these are your learning moments for football. They're learning moments for life. Um, people aren't going to like it. And I'm sure, you know, when I say that to a football team, some people look and say, like, you're crazy. You should just be ripping them and this and that. The fact of the matter is, is we are where we are. And we had a football team that did, you, know, you, you have to communicate with them and let them know why we're in this situation, what the situation is. And a lot of that stuff, you know, we uh, – I think it's fair to say that we communicated to keep it in-house as, as a football team, but nothing is ever going to be a crutch for us. And these kids will fight, they'll compete, regardless of what continues to take place through the year. I believe they will because we are honest with them. Now, are they frustrated? Heck yeah, everybody is. You want to win football games. Um, you don't want to get beat the way that we've gotten beat, but we don't run from saying, okay, we got beat on the line of scrimmage. Uh, that's happened to us, and it's happened twice this year. Um, it happened sometimes last year in certain games when we, we got beat physically at the line of scrimmage. Is it going to happen again and again? I don't know that until we play those games. But we got to look at ourselves and understand why we are where we are. Um, you know, that was a big, giant physical offensive line that, that knocked us around up front. And the defensive front on the other side is what they did. Now, you, San Diego State on defense, I don't know the last time they gave up, I don't know, very many points, but it's been a long time, so they're they're talented. But uh, our, we'll stay positive. Uh, we'll push them. We'll grind them. We won't let them get, have any excuses. Uh, but we will teach and learn in these moments. That's that's what we do, and they're hard. It's hard to get up. It's hard to wake up at three in the morning and uh, sit there and, and toss and turn and try to figure out what's best for the kids. But you know what? We're all here for six more weeks, and we got to fight to get better because the situation we're in has been created. How do you find an identity on offense? Well, I think, uh, you know, I'd like to say that our identity always starts up front and and it hasn't been able to do that consistently. There's been times when it's shown. But we need need to uh, show what we do well and what we can do well. Until then, you do not have an identity. You can talk about an identity. You can pretend about an identity. Um, But right now, our ability to successfully you know, continue to throw the ball and have continued success is not there. It's not in the run game either. Um, so I would say to you this, we want that to happen. It's definitely a work in progress. And I think if I tell you right now and sit here and talk to you and Aggie Nation and say, well, this is our identity on offense, we don't have an identity on offense, just like I said after the game. And you need to find that if you're going to have success. And identity, you know, first comes with scoring points on the offensive side of the football. 
Well, Gary, we appreciate a few minutes this morning. There are better times to come on the air, but we appreciate you uh, coming on right now, and good luck in Reno. Hey, you know what? We're all good. We're going to keep on fighting and battling through this thing, and like I said, we are where we are because that's what we've created. So shift, ready, break, get better, Aggies. Appreciate you guys. Have a great day. All right, thanks, Gary. Gary Anderson, Aggie head coach, joining us here after the loss to San Diego State. And, uh, you know, the the thought that the offensive issues have been because of the quality of opposition, San Diego State hasn't given up 30 points since their 2018 opener at Stanford. So he's right. That defense is good. Even when they lose, they tend to lose 17-14 and 14-11 and bizarro scores like that. So, but it's eight quarters, and I just think that's got to be wearing on their confidence a little bit, PK. They, they oh, wouldn't yeah. be human yeah. if it weren't. Even if you want to put it on, hey, this other defense is really good. Now, Air Force did find a way to score some points on Boise, you know, so you got to take that into account. They lost 49-31, but they scored 31 points, and they scored 17 of them early while the game was certainly in doubt. I mean, their offense has just been awful. Combine that with quality opposition, and you get these first two games. All right, DJ and PK, uh, coming up, your feedback, everything you think about today's show. You got anything else you want to tell Aggie fans before they head off to Nevada on Thursday? Well, this is an imperative game in terms of the course of the season because if you get smoked, you get smoked three games in a row, how do you rebound from that? It's one thing to lose, and there's a winner and loser in every game. I understand that. But to lose the way you've been, where you've just been outclassed, that's an entirely different story as opposed to playing some hard-fought game and you lose the game. And you can't, like, you, uh, you take the Ravens or Michigan State. They can point to the turnovers, and the Ravens yesterday can point to the turnovers. Well, the Aggies, what do you point to outside of, man, we just got blown away both games. You know what I mean? It's not a yeah, but. There's no yeah, buts. You got your butt kicked. Go at least give me a yeah, but. Give me that against Nevada. All right. That's Thursday night. We got a game every night this week. You got the Aggies at Nevada on Thursday night. You got BYU at Boise State on Friday night. And then Saturday afternoon, you got the Utes hosting Arizona. All right. Your feedback. And I got to tell you, you people are pretty disappointing. Holy cow. You are just. <laughs> I'm disappointed, PK. Should I put my hands on my hips, waggle my finger? I'm disappointed in you. We'll get to that next. Yeah, be like your father did with you. Yeah, right. <laughs> DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Your feedback next. Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone, and it's time for your feedback. What do you think about today's show? All right, I know what you think about our question of the day. You hated it. It was a good question, too. BYU is ranked number nine in both polls. What can they top out at? See, this suggests the number seven or six, four, and they're in the playoffs. One, and it's 1984 again. But instead, PK, people took the question, ignored it, and just wrote about whatever they wanted. It's like you being in one of your pre-med finals and deciding to write about Frank Cush and Sun Devil football. It's fascinating, but it's not medicine. Uh, it was medicine for me anytime they beat the U of A. Yeah, then you felt good. Oh, I feel good. <laughs> I am healed. Physician, heal thyself with a win over the Wildcats. So here's a question well, What can they top out in? Ahead. TJ responds, not blow it Friday. What? TJ? At Jazz Time Jones? That's not even the question. What are you doing? It doesn't make any I will sense. I say that this. 
I understand. Well, it sort of does. It's not a literal answer to the literal question. I understand that. But I figured we would get that because, you know, basically you're, what you're asking is how true is a top ten ranking? And then you're getting offshoots of that premise as opposed to how high they can go. But I have a feeling, and there'd be no way to track this, that uh, since the two teams split apart in 2011, this might be the most watched BYU game from the Utah fan perspective. Yeah, I could see that. Really, the only distraction, there are no college football distractions. The only distraction is if your kid's playing high school football and you're at a playoff game. And even those games in the afternoon, you'll be back for it. So you're right. There's no basketball. Baseball's over. Right. There's no NFL. Mm-hmm. So this really is, if you're looking for a game, this is the game in on. So you're right. Um, some people did actually give us an answer. I, I mean, there's a lot of random stuff here. Uh, but Jeff did say, this is their top ranking. BYU plays Boise and Boise, and Boise is a graveyard for teams from Utah. Broncos by 14 this weekend. He's right about the graveyard part. BYU up there, 0-5. Utah went there once, and they lost, and they didn't want to go back. And they've lost to the Broncos three other times. They've lost at home. They've lost in a bowl game. They've lost up there. Uh, Utah State loses up there. Utah State went up there in 96. And since then, it's 16 straight losses for teams in state. And the Aggies have 10 of them. So... I think Jeff makes a strong point. If you want to say this is their top, Jeff, you answer the question. I'm not ranting on you. I'm, I'm, I'm ranting on everybody else. I mean, it got so ridiculous, and I complained about it earlier in the show, and Clint, Clint, Clint tweets at us, 64 ounces of Diet Mountain Dew, which literally has nothing to do with anything. Thank you, Clint. That was incredibly random. And Tim got sick of all the Ute fans weighing in on the BYU schedule and said, okay, Utes, break is over. Clean up on aisle nine. <laughs> and he dropped the A, which typically it should be, you know, aisle nine, like in a grocery store. But it's aisle nine, so it's like one of the nine islands. Like, go out to the ninth Hawaiian island, which I think is still undersea. Which actually, BYU fans would be all right. You fans, go to the South Pacific and submerge yourself. I can't hear you then. Fine. All right. Uh, to your point, though, you know, knowing where they can be ranked... Um, it's hard to do this year because they're not playing other teams that are in the top 25. Um, Boise State and San Diego State. Now, Boise State is ranked, right? But to date, they haven't. And you're trying to rank them against teams that have played zero, one, or two games. Oregon's a couple spots behind them. They haven't played yet. Indiana has played two games. Wisconsin's played one. All those teams are within five games of them. How, how do you compare this? It's impossible, uh, which just makes it all the more I fun for I, sports I will radio. say this. If Boise wins, uh, and if they should play San Jose State in the MWC final, I think both teams will be ranked. Yeah, if they get to that point, I would think you're right. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Scotty and Hands are up next. See ya.